Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hello, everybody. This is our classic episode. We'd like to say hi, not just to our fellow conspiracy realists, but uh, hi to your search history. How's that oh, doing? Boy. How's, how's, how's your search? What's, what's a weird, let's be te- uh, daily zeitgeist about it. Uh, Noel, Matt, what's, what's something weird from our, our search histories that you feel comfortable disclosing? Let me air? check. Let me check my history. Oh, wait, it's deactivated. Oh, that's weird. You're, you're, you're an incognito mode kind of guy? No, just I've got it turned off. <laughs> Which means just that you can't see it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my history is pretty boring. It's just a bunch of audio nerd stuff currently. And I've got how many firefighters are pyromaniacs legitimately? I don't know why <laughs> I added legitimately at the end there. I've got a search term here, guys. I, I did find one. Uh, it just says Ohio accent. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so we're, we're talking about this because our classic episode today is about whether or not you can actually delete your internet history. Uh, you know, we know a lot of people ran into this when uh, Facebook got caught continually doing really sketchy things to track people. In this episode, I think we also collaborate with our pals, Mangesh had a couture and our a guy who who now is our boss, Will Pearson. Oh, I just want to listen for like just to hear those guys. Oh man, the nostalgia is flooding through my system as we speak. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. You are you. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. However, this is not your ordinary episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Actually, you know what? We should change that language, you guys, because we I don't know if we've ever done an ordinary episode. Have we? Never. We have never. And we won't start now. This is a team-up episode, a collaboration, if you will, and we uh, we hope you do. Uh, we are partnering with our buddies, colleagues, coworkers, and friends, Will and Mango from Part-Time Genius, to explore some of the most important, pertinent, and pressing questions about the online world. The most important question that they are asking is, what does the Internet know about you? How much stuff... The, the personal, the really personal, the things that you wouldn't share with anybody else. Sure. You know, just talking to somebody on the street. How much does the internet know about you? And where does it live? Yes. So immediately after checking out this episode, head on over to Part-Time Genius to learn exactly what the internet already knows about you. And it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's too much, really. Even if you think, you know, it's way more than you probably bargained for. Uh-huh. Uh, before we begin answering our question and launching our exploration today, let's fill in some context. First things first. Oh, friends and neighbors, if you are listening to this show, it is almost certain that you have an internet presence. I mean, obviously, you're listening to podcasts. Yeah. How would you know what a podcast is if you were not connected to the internet? I guess there are shirts now. Maybe you just randomly saw a Stuff You Should Know shirt on somebody in the subway. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, second, you might be uh, on the Internet via social media of any sort. And finally, even if you just happen to be hanging out with some friends uh, and one of them happens to turn on our show just while you were in the room and you never once logged in or signed up for any social media, Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram, Friendster, Tumblr, LiveJournal, GeoCities. MySpace. Know, that was a, uh, yeah. Was that a social media? GeoCities. Kind of in a way. It was yeah. your own page and you could connect other pages to your page. Wasn't it just kind of like a rudimentary like web hosting? Yeah, thing? but come on, man. It's the, it's the start. It was a city. It was the start of Remember the Remember they social. all had, uh, they all had like different neighborhoods. Yeah. Depending on your region. Anyway, I digress. So any of those things, you got no interest, never signed up, never gave them a lick of information. Even if you've never even had an email address. No. Several things are. Certain. At least a portion of your purchasing history exists in online record. Uh, if you've somehow managed to just pay cash money for every single thing in your life, you're one of those um, off-the-grid types, uh, you are still not safe. And that's because various public records of your life are digitized. You guys, I was at the bank recently trying to do some uh, bankery, and it uh, came up on their screen mm-hmm. – Pages and pages of my personal documents. I just happened to be able to see it. I was like, Whoa. oh, that's my marriage certificate. Oh, that's that's my mortgage. You know, all of this stuff. And I understand that when you submit that stuff, you know, into the public record, it's somewhere. But I was a little bit taken aback at how easily they were able to just boop, pop it up on their w- screen. Was this routine bankery? It was routine bankery. Ooh. It was transferring <laughs> a check to someone and oh. they had to verify uh, identities. Wow. Um, and they had to find a uh, document that had the maiden name of the individual mm, um, wow. in question. Mm. But yeah, no, I was just kind of a little bit taken aback by how quickly that stuff popped up on the screen. So all of that stuff exists. You got court and government agencies that have been posting public records 
records online since like the 90s, right, Ben? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the motor vehicle records, voter files, property tax assessments, uh, professional licensees, uh, and of course, court files are all up there in the cloud. And and just to pump the brakes really quick, just to the social media thing, we skipped over something really important here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what happens if you don't have a social media profile? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter because maybe your friends do. And guess what? Most of these social media platforms or apps that you end up downloading, they ask for your contacts in your phone, especially if you're on your phone. And if your number happens to be in your friend's phone, your email address, your address, your physical address, all of that stuff is accessible by these apps and by these social medias. So maybe the platforms are taking a look at you just in case maybe in the future you make an account or they can just take that information and sell it to somebody else. Who fits that persona, right, or a construction persona. OK, yes, these are – this is the the background of the grand painting, right? Uh, so it's obvious that meeting one of these exceptions would be pretty uncommon, right? Mm-hmm. Meeting all of them would be downright extraordinary on the level with a superpower. Most people have some sort of internet presence, whether consensual or non-consensual, even if it's only a footprint found in various public records, as, as Noel mentioned. And for this episode, let's call this series of ones and zeros the digital you. So here you are. Here we are. It's the 21st century and you, like Walt Whitman, contain multitudes. I love it. <laughs> several several compelling studies indicate that our online personas often contradict our physical personas in a number of ways. And one great example of this is, um, you know, you'll see studies that say the image somebody uh, creates – or, or exhibits on Instagram or Facebook is a little bit more uh, happy or cool mm-hmm. than the image they project in real life. It's like curating your life, you know, and how people perceive you. It's sort of cultivating an image that you see as being the best you, putting mm-hmm. your best foot forward, even though we're all sad, sad sacks of waste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I can uh, remember specifically my Xbox persona for a long time. I was avid into the first-person shooters, and I was not very nice. It, I went through a time where I was not very nice as a kid playing you Halo. You talked about people's mothers? Oh, I so did. I talked so Xbox much trash. Troll? I was I wasn't a troll, but I was intense and very competitive. I and could I could see this oddly yeah. enough. Well, I had to <laughs> I had it separated so far from the you know my walking around persona. It uh-huh. was so different when I got that controller in my hand that I, I this is so true. And uh, you were like the nicest person Nolan I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have sure. a feeling you're you're exaggerating a bit. I bet if we experienced your online bullying, we'd be like, that is the nicest okay, online yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Xbox bully I've ever experienced. Yeah, what was it? It was like, uh, pardon me, uh, I couldn't help but point out that um, your you mother... You got puned. <laughs> yeah, you got puned and your mother is wayward. I would, I would do accents a lot of the time. Uh, that was quite a bit of fun to do accents. I, I really appreciate you pointing this out, Matt, because... Um, you are right. There is a there is a difference, and this difference can grow over time. So that from some perspectives, people become almost two different versions of themselves. You listening to this right now, you are almost two different 
people, perhaps more than that. You might even have online personalities that you strive to keep entirely separate from your physical life or multiple identities uh, like our super producer, Tristan McNeil. Sorry, I forgot to mention that at the top, man. Uh, Tristan probably has uh, numerous identities for the sake of anonymity. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's nodding. He nodded. He has five he at has least. five. Or he's waving at us. Or that was a high five. <laughs> uh, in today's episode focuses on these identities and their creation and their deletion. Today's episode asks, what happens when you want to delete this information? Could you do it? And how? Or more disturbingly, why not? So let's get into the internet. How many users are there in 2017 of this old thing called the World Wide Web and all of its associated stuff? Well, there's an estimated 51% of the world's population that has some kind of access to the Internet, roughly 3.89 billion human beings. It's begun to become looked at more as like a human right. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it's considered that in a lot of places. And the United Nations uh, is actively – well, factions in the United Nations are actively pursuing it to – be listed as a human right along mm-hmm. with clean water and shelter and food and safety from harm. Remember the Googaloon? Not the Googaloon. It was some kind of loon, but it was a internet balloon that, that would like be an access point that would uh, yes. go over more rural, hard to reach, densely jungled areas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mean like we're coming up with all kinds of wacky inventions to uh, make this possible because we see it as being so important. So it's not even looked at as like a luxury or like a thing for fun. It's no. allowing you to be connected in a way that is, you know, very important. We're evolving, you guys. Think about it. In only 17 years, since the year 2000, we've increased this by so much. 7% of the population had access in the year 2000. Do you remember the first friend you had that had the internet and you didn't fully understand what it was at first? Absolutely. Oh, can we get a sound clip of that dial-up modem? Oh, don't do it. Tristan, don't do it. Oh, my brain. Oh, so many different... I had a friend who, whose both mom and dad were like high level surgeons or doctors mm-hmm. uh-huh. and they had Prodigy, which was like an early yeah. service mm-hmm. provider. And it was all like message boards and stuff in those days. And it wasn't until years later when I was like a teenager, or like in middle school that you could get images and print them out and yeah. slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the line. anticipation building as the <laughs> line goes down. Uh, yes. And Matt, to your point, this is. This growth is uh, unexpected, unprecedented in many ways because you said only 7% of the population had access in 2000. Yeah, to 51% 17 years later. That's crazy. And, you know, here's the thing. People have, you know, up until the year 2000 had a certain expectation of privacy in their lives. What we do. I got shades on my windows for a reason because I don't want you looking in at night when I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing, even if I'm just making a ham sandwich. In the nude. Well, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I, know how, I know how you roll. I mean, look, Nakey time is a special time. Nakey time? Nakey time. Yeah. You guys don't have Nakey time? Is N-A-K-E-Y? Yeah. Nakey time. Oh, you'll have kids one day, Ben. Oh, man. You haven't seen that Dana Carvey stand-up yeah, special? Yeah, that's what I was referring to. It's Nikki time! Bing! Like <laughs> Y'all have seen it and know what that sound yeah. effect is. Well, Bing! It's a healthy thing to have naked baby time in our house where my son gets to run around just in his diaper and just really feel the world against his skin. That's not Nikki, though, if he's wearing the diaper, dude. Well, I know, but we come on. 
He's he would pee everywhere. And in uh, in a few decades, he's probably going to look back and say, "Hey, I don't want videos of young me running around, bing, ing, and uh, having." Uh, naked time, oh, naked yeah. time. Yeah, there's there's a strict no photos and videos during naked time <laughs> instituted in our house. So according to – and he'll thank you later because according to a Pew Research Center study, 93 percent of adults today say it's important that they be able to control who can access information about them. And 90 percent also say controlling what information is gathered about them is also important. Uh-oh. Ah, the illusion of control. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also we know that in addition to just generic internet, right, uh, one of the biggest uh, – avenues of encountering online society or just the online world mm. uh, is social media, sometimes to the exclusion of other internet points. Like there are some people who live entirely on, you know, Facebook or uh, Twitter or something like mm -hmm. that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, yeah. Like you're saying, Ben, I think social media ends up at least to younger people in the newer generations. It is probably the biggest draw to be connected. Uh, for anything because you're not really using it for a lot of utility access that maybe an older adult would do to check on finances or do any of that kind of stuff. You're getting on there so you can connect to your friends. And, you know, Facebook is still the largest company in the social media field. Uh, however, not so much for the younger generation. You get things like WhatsApp. Uh, there are a lot of other – by the way, WhatsApp owned by Facebook. So great job. Because mm -hmm. I think that's number two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I believe so at this time. And so for a little perspective, in 2012, Facebook surpassed a billion monthly active users. And earlier this year, the this uh, like monolith of social media hit two billion monthly active users and wow. counting. And like WhatsApp, which they own as well, so you can add this to their portfolio, uh, is sporting just a little more than half of that at 1.2 billion. So even you know at second place, it's, it's it's you know pales in comparison to the Facebook numbers, which is insane, especially when we consider if we look at countries by population. If the users of Facebook now were a country, they would be the most populous country in the world. Oh, my God. And WhatsApp would be number four. So wow. it would be Facebook, China, India, WhatsApp. And just by a little bit is it number four. I have a little confession, guys. I've never actually seen WhatsApp. I have no idea what it looks like. I guess I don't understand the appeal. I was turned on to it because a friend of mine was traveling internationally. And apparently it's an easy way to stay in text kind of communication with somebody that's international. And it looks a oh. lot like just a text chat app. And I think it has – video chat that's great but it's a really basic thing it doesn't really have any of the bells and whistles that like a facebook ha has that's a little bit more multifaceted whatsapp seems to me to be a little more kind of bare bones it's getting and it done man that's maybe why it's popular because it's it, it does a job and it does it well and i know a lot of people even use it professionally in in chat groups and stuff so yeah, let's get on WhatsApp. This is not an advertisement for that's, that's <laughs> And still, whether or not it has bells and whistles, it's doing the most important thing, which is aggregating data about you. Yes. Right? Your metadata, where you're calling from, what time you're calling, uh, who is in the conversation with you. 
Here's the thing about social media. Each social media site overwhelmingly is a privately owned entity. The social media platforms that we most likely use are all privately owned. And unfortunately, if you are like most of us, by which I mean the vast majority of us, you did not read the terms of service before you agreed to have that profile. I definitely scrolled all the way to the bottom of the document it before made I you. It. it made you do that. Yeah, yeah don't act like yeah, that. And, you know, the ones that don't make you do that, you definitely don't do that. Yeah. yeah. And by you, I mean, like, literally everyone. Yeah, like, general you. Uh, these terms of service agreements can have some perfidious stuff inside. Obviously, if you are listening to stuff they don't want you to know, you're familiar with it, but we found a great website called Terms of Service Didn't Read, T-O-S-D-R, <laughs> uh, and it presents in plain language some of the positive and negative aspects of various social media or internet organizations. So let's let's give let's give everybody a couple of examples. Google, we'll start with the uh, the Goliath, the giant, the Leviathan. Google itself keeps your searches and other identifiable user information for an indefinite period of time. Oh, that's nice. So at at their pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, at their at at uh, his Majesty's pleasure. Well, and they can also share that information with other parties. Like they, that's in the terms of service. We can do whatever we want with this information. Yes, and can use all your content for all of their existing and or future services. Now think, think about how much you pump into Google's services right now. Just imagine, I, personally. Calendar information is in there. Email information is in there. Uh, I mean, YouTube. Think about our our YouTube show and you know all that stuff. All your all your weird uh, searches at three a.m. when you wake up from a strange dream. <laughs> yeah, you know all your what does this animal mean? Why is it wearing <laughs> socks? They know your Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Anything that you're backing up there. Oh, boy. Tracks you on other websites. And then also there's uh, YouTube. And Google and YouTube have the right idea. It's like giving people all this free stuff. And everyone's really stoked and grateful at first. It's like, Google, YouTube, thank you so much for these this free services. Mm-hmm. But you're giving them something way more valuable than they're giving you. Yeah. I mean, one could argue in terms of like f- ultimate financial um worth. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And we've had our own issues uh, with the old YT and, you know, some of their terms are a bit strange and they have it written in the terms that they can change them at any time. And they can also remove your content at any time and they don't have to tell you about it. They can also demonetize your stuff right. without telling you. And if you decide to delete a video, uh, YouTube doesn't actually delete it. We will get into the surprising gray area of what it means to delete something. Even if they remove it for one reason or another, they still, they still have it. They still have it. And you know, not to, not to plug anything on this show, but on this website, it shows DuckDuckGo, the search engine. Yeah. And all it says is no tracking with a little thumbs up sign. DuckDuckGo is a is a good alternative for people who don't want Google searches recorded. Uh, be aware, of course, that your internet service provider or your ISP will still be tracking what you do. But DuckDuckGo is a good way to get around Google. There was also a thing I haven't visited it in a while called Scroogle, S C R O O G L E, and it does Google searches without the web scraper. 
It says Scroogle.org is gone forever, says the site owner. Oh, well. They must have no. got popped by the man. Facebook tracks you on other websites, automatically shares your data with many other servers, uses uh, your data uh, Shakira style, whenever, <laughs> wherever, and additionally, however it wants. Uh, bonus for all you Android app users out there. It can record sound and video from your phone at any time without your consent. Oh, I remember when we learned about this. Think about all the times you have been in a stall in a bathroom. (laughs) It's just listening to you use the restroom. Dropping a hot mixtape, let's call it that. (laughs) Surfing Reddit on your phone. (sighs) Not to be too crass. (sighs) And lastly, uh, for examples, Twitter, right? Oh, yeah. So Twitter, let's say you're going to cancel your account on Twitter. It's going to keep – Twitter, the service, is going to keep – a lot of that information, it keeps at least the rights to anything you've posted through their service. So it doesn't matter if you deleted it and it's gone there. Maybe they still have it on a server. Maybe they can use it for, you know, anything in the future. And additionally, evidence indicates that all social media entities will cooperate with law enforcement for information requests, right? At the most basic level, this is a, a good thing, right? Theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, however, in practice, it's helping intelligence networks take a vacuum cleaner approach to gathering this stuff. So it ultimately does not matter whether you are innocent uh, of any suspected crime, right? Because there's this leapfrogging, um, there's this leapfrogging system that's in play. And you know the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Whatever. I, mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. enough about celebrities to play it, but this is like a Sith version of that. So if, for instance, uh, our producer Tristan is, is innocent guy, like, just look at that face. Oh, He's man. upstanding, you know? Uh, if he knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who's implicated in certain types of crime, generally or, drugs, terrorism, right, or certain networks of that, then boom, Tristan's info is up for grabs too. Oh, for sure. And he doesn't, he may never even know why. He may have never met, um, what's a good, what's a good name that sounds like a criminal's name? Sam Teagarden. <laughs> he may have never met, <laughs> uh, he may, may have never met, uh, Call him Sam the Sham. Sam the Sham Tea Garden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now, now, simply because he is at best tangentially related, his information is now uh, up for grabs. Yeah. So, yeah. well, it, we we do know that there are, have been a lot of historic cases going through the court system in the United States, looking at what the you know what law enforcement can get, how much. They can actually ask you to pull out of their website. There's that recent case about um, a a group that was anti – I think it was an anti-Trump website that was organizing a bunch of protests and stuff. And the FBI was looking to get access to pretty much every user that had ever like been on that website, anybody who had ever checked it out. Mm-hmm. And it's going through the court system right now to see constitutionally what can be asked for. So thankfully, 
the situation may change depending on the time that you are hearing this episode. If so, if you were listening in 2028 or whatever, and we happen <laughs> to still be around, uh, send us, uh, send us, uh, an email and ask us for an update if Big Brother allows you to do so. And also what social media is hot right now in 2028? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this episode is a time capsule. Uh, well, we've talked about, we, we've talked about some of these, uh, pernicious at times, I would argue, purposefully misleading terms of service. We've talked about what exists around you or what what traces you leave on the internet. And of course, check out our friends Part-Time Genius for more in-depth look. But we haven't yet talked about how to remove this information or attempt to do so. Removing information is unfortunately not a silver bullet kind of scenario. It's a case-by-case basis. And We'll give you some pointers after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com, that's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
And we're back to quote Matt with no delay. Yes. I don't know why I love that so much. I don't know why. You with said it no one delay. time. You said one time you said we're back with no delay. <laughs> and the way you said it, it just made me happy in my heart. Well, I'm talking about audio plugins, obviously. Maybe we need a little delay. Yeah, can we get a, like a reverb? Well, this, I don't know if I like this. Uh, all right, take it away. Yeah, I think we should. I think we should keep that in our back pocket. Let's get it. Yeah, always, you know, for when things get a little dull, you know. Yeah, Yeah. this is something I'm happy with the internet knowing about me that I'm a fan of these sorts of effects. Yeah, we just want to punch it up a little bit, you know. (laughs) So, how can you get rid of your internet presence? That's where we're at right now, Mm -hmm. right? So we went through and kind of compiled some uh, recommended steps for removing your various social media accounts. Mm -hmm. We'll start there, and then we'll get a little more granular as we go on. But these all came from the various uh, help centers of these different social media sites. So here we go. Uh, Facebook says that if you don't think you'll ever use Facebook again, you can request to have your account permanently deleted. Hold on, did you hear that? You can request request to have the language account. is everything also whoosh, whoosh, deleted yeah and, yeah, and whoosh, help um more like help <laughs> um so it says here i'm going back to the quote uh, please keep in mind that you won't be able to reactivate your account or retrieve anything that you've added but before you do this you may want to download a copy of your info from facebook then if you'd like your account permanently deleted with no option for recovery. You can log into your account and let us know. Yeah, exactly. But let, wait. let Facebook know. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Yeah, there, yeah, there's more. So when you delete your account, um, folks won't be able to see it on their respective Facebook. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. So your stuff goes away, I'm right? Paraphrasing here, but. It doesn't necessarily go away. It's just kind of hidden, hidden. yeah, yeah hidden. hidden from other users. Uh, and it may take up to again from the from the article here, ninety days from the beginning of the deletion process to delete all of the things you've posted, like uh, your photos, status updates, any data that's stored in in Facebook's um, surely absurdly gigantic backup systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while you're deleting this information, it is inaccessible to other people using Facebook. Again, more of a, a hiding feature than an actual deletion. Uh, so some of the things you do on Facebook aren't actually stored on your account. Uh, and now this is true. You can think about this in terms of like Messenger, mm-hmm. Facebook messages, or even I would be interested to double check this, but I would imagine if you delete your account, do comments you've made on other threads and on other people's pages disappear? Or does it just like it still lives there, but your picture maybe goes away or something like that? I honestly don't know, but I think your comments would probably go away. You think they go away? Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. I think you own your comments because you're able to go through and individually delete them. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you can also set them to – you can – no, you, you can't really set comments to be private. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but I do know when you send a message to somebody else, it's received by the other person and it's in their inbox. It's kind of like entangled information. It yeah. has two owners. Yeah. Which is why, um, I, I don't know. Also, Facebook is, I don't want to derail us, but Facebook is tremendously manipulative. Like when you try to mess with your privacy stuff, your quote unquote privacy, uh, it has a dinosaur. 
as yeah. the icon. Yeah. And then the way the it steers people with the parameters of what you can and cannot say. So if you try to uh, remove a tag, the choices you're given are, you know, this is offensive or it's misleading or blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't, there's no option to say, just remove it. That's called yeah, other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there still another? I don't know. I don't know. I think, no, in several cases they took away other. Really? Yeah. I, I thought other, yeah, gotta always have another. I with, think a, so. with a line to let you, that, that, it would be a manipulative tactic though, to like, these are your choices and your choices are only these. It's not, it's not wood. It's not hypothetical. Yeah. It's there. This bit's pretty interesting though, because as we know, because of, I guess, largely laziness, you connect to other apps using your Facebook. It gives you that lovely little option where it's like, Hey, you don't want to make an account? Just give us access to your Facebook information. Well, yeah, it's because those, those social medias or apps are paying Facebook. To do that so that they gather – they have all that other information attached to Facebook within their system. Yeah, but if you delete your Facebook account and then you accidentally log into one of these Facebook-connected accounts like Instagram or Spotify mm-hmm. or Twitter or any number. I mean like I, I did a, a sock membership uh, box thing today and it allowed me to connect to it via Facebook. So yep. it goes pretty deep. Uh, if you do this though – it will log you back into your Facebook account and the deactivation slash deletion process uh, starts all over again. I love the the use of the term deactivation. They don't even call it deletion. It's deactivation. And it's, it reminds me of like I watched Blade Runner last night for the first time in years. And instead of murdering replicants, they retire replicants. Right. Yep. You know, yeah. so – Jeez. And Instagram's no better. If you go to the uh, delete your account page, uh, if you're not logged in, they'll ask you to log in. Um, you have to go on your desktop. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't do it from the app. And also, <laughs> which is weird because you can't really use Instagram on the desktop. Exactly. How strange is that? And I can only imagine that there are a lot of people out there who don't even really have a desktop system anymore set up anywhere in their house. You have to – yeah, you have to select a uh, option from a drop-down menu so you, and re-enter your password. So the option to delete the account only appears after you've selected a reason. Mm-hmm. When you delete the account – this is at least explicit. When you delete your account, your profile, photos, videos, comments, likes, and followers are permanently removed – and then just like Facebook, you can temporarily disable your account. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and say I don't trust it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then we get to one of my absolute favorite pseudo social medias, LinkedIn. Oh, oh yeah. Do you guys still have them? LinkedIn accounts? Uh, Professional LinkedIn accounts? I, I mean, I, I don't even know what to do with it. I deleted, I a, yeah. I deleted mine earlier today. Was, that, was it liberating? It was awesome. I mean – you sh- uh, sorry, LinkedIn, but I, you send away too much email. Okay, so you can close your account directly from this one page. Um, here's the thing: you won't have access to any of your, you know, any of the information you've collected or people you've connected to. Your profile will no longer be visible on LinkedIn. However, search engines, we're talking Bing's, <laughs> Yahoo's, and probably Google's, they might still display your information temporarily because you're talking about information that's cached. That's just sitting there and you can find it still through search results. Mm-hmm. And the one thing with LinkedIn though, apparently people pay for a premium memberships, which I, is something I've never done. But if you do that, you have to change up your premium account license and resolve that whole thing before actually closing your account. 
which makes sense because it's probably there's probably a payment involved. Who who knows? You have to wait. You have to do what? <laughs> you have to resolve the accounts or like your your pay your pay for LinkedIn accounts before you can close your basic account. Okay. That's the idea. Pretty yeah. simple. It, it's simple overall. Uh, here's the thing, guys. Did you have MySpace accounts when you were younger? Did I ever? Yeah. I had like the flickering GIF backgrounds dude, and everything. All dude. day. The, the MIDI track that would trigger. <laughs> yeah. And you had probably had MySpace band accounts too or oh, some yeah. kind of music yeah. accounts. That, my, my old band, uh, MySpace is actually still up there. If anyone wants to check it out, it's a band called The Cubists. Nice. I used to be in and our MySpace still is, still is around. Hey, mine too. Lions and Scissors. Check it out. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, getting away from the plugs, I wanted to delete my personal MySpace account. So I tried to go and do that today and found out that it was linked up to my old AOL email address that I, uh, what are you 50? I got that email address in 1997 in my parents' basement. Uh, it was awesome for a time. Yeah, it really got, got me through everything. Anyway. Got you through everything? Yeah, it really did. I, every email I sent for years was through AOL. You probably loaded it with like one of those floppies that came in the mail. I didn't did. You? you multiple times, right? They gave you the free oh, hours. Oh man, I upgraded every time, every point oh oh change. Love so, it. so what happened? What's happening with your AOL account now? <laughs> okay, so check it out. In order to delete the MySpace, go to AOL. In order to get to AOL, I had to change my password. I logged in. Apparently, if you don't access an AOL account for 180 days, they deactivate that thing, Noel. And that's kind of nice, right? Deactivate your account if you're not using it. But I was really nervous because my personal information is still in that thing. Okay. From all those years ago. And if anyone wanted to hack it or easily get into it, it's there. It's just sitting there. So I tried to delete that. <laughs> I was just on a spree today. Uh, anyway, you can't delete your AOL account, your free AOL account. At least I could not. There's, there's supposed to be a place that says cancel account, and that button was not there on three different uh, browsers. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're a tech-savvy guy, too. So, I mean, can you imagine someone that maybe was less... So yeah, right. Even attempting to do any of this stuff. I, I went through every help center thing that existed on AOL trying to find it, ended up calling AOL. I, I took my phone and I called AOL and talked to somebody who walked me through all the security steps and he said he deleted my account. I'm sorry, you called AOL? Does their phone number still work? Their phone number works for customer service. Was it just some guy? Is it like four guys in a call center in Jersey? <laughs> I don't know. Or was, was it just one guy at his house? I have to say, they picked up my call really fast. Because they didn't have anything else to do. Right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, who's to say how many people are working there and how many, you know, what their call volume is? Probably that guy. You could have asked him. Well, well, it 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 worked for me. So if you're out there and you've got an AOL account from 1997, you want to get rid of it. You can. There's a website you can go to and you can find their their number. It's one eight hundred eight two seven six three six four. You can do it right now if you want to do it. And Steve really wants a friend to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Just give him a call. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Not Steve, the, uh, not Steve, our ongoing NSA intern. No, this is Steve, the AOL tech support guy. Yeah. 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 We're, we're pretty Steve rich here at stuff they don't want you to know. I want to say his name was Rico. So, there, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, just, just call that number, ask for Rico or Steve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell them Matt sent you. They'll know, right? <laughs> You've gotta be the only Matt they called in in a while. Yeah. There's uh, another thing that's 
should be an episode all its own that we may have to explore in the future. Uh, and that is Google. There's, oh my God. There's a search console help site, but it gets very complicated very quickly. Google has its hooks in you all up inside your <laughs> digital you. Uh, well, yeah, and, that's the thing. It's all about indexing because Google, right. everything that gets posted everywhere, it indexes and you can go and ask Google to remove stuff and take it out of search results. But ultimately, you're talking about websites that are being hosted. Like, let's say there's a news article written about you that mm-hmm. you object to. Mm-hmm. There's really no way to get Google to do anything. You, you got to go to the people who posted the thing. Now you just say, hey, Google, delete my Internet presence. <laughs> right. One day that might be a thing. Uh, but probably. Don't you remember, wasn't that the voice command for the stupid Google Glass? You had to say, hey, hey, Glass or hey, Google. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, but probably um, – if that command ever exists, uh, as we were saying, that's going to be the domain of a very uh, small group of people. Oh, for sure. The ability of, of you know, high, very high level execs or maybe bankers like Rothschild level stuff because uh, privacy is uh, going to be one of the ultimate luxuries as we've explored in past episodes. So we're talking about – we've given some examples about how you can – Attempt to remove some of this information from uh, search engines, from social media. This leads to perhaps the most important query, the most important question here, the most important interrogative. I'm just thinking of synonyms mm-hmm, for keep question. Going. The, <laughs> the, the billion Ben Bucks ask. Okay. Does any of this actually work? We'll answer that question after a word from our sponsor. Here's where it gets crazy. So, Ben, uh, looks like I'm going to delete my internet history, right? No. No. No, you fool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got guttural there. (laughs) I'm doing a penguin. You silly boy. It's not going to happen. You've gone too far, right? Uh, At this point, there is... Virtually no chance that you, Matt, will be able to completely erase all of your data from the internet. And don't take it hard. Uh, there's no chance that I would be able to, or Noel would be able to, or Tristan would be able to. Even if it seems that we have deleted information from a particular part of the internet, the owners of that site or that organization might have just changed the access to the info. So, For most of us, right, deletion or erasure means just that, the complete irreversible removal of a given thing. Ah, yet we know from our recycling bins on our computers that when you delete something, it just goes somewhere else temporarily. And then, you know, there are programs that are specifically designed to, like, write ones and zeros over Mm. that data. But when you just do a right-click, delete, empty recycle bin, it just kind of scatters the little fragments of it all over. That's why I think Apple machines do it automatically. But, you know, with PCs, you have to defragment your hard drive every now and then because it literally has bits of data just kind of strewn willy-nilly. Maybe any computer scientist out there call me a, a, a dummy if I'm not saying it right, but that's my understanding of it. And then you get into data recovery Stuff which it is possible to go back in time on that hard drive. Data forensics. Yeah, yeah right. it's like a dark art. Yeah. Uh, as shown in some of our earlier examples, 
the actions that private entities allow us to take don't actually delete information. Instead, they make it so that you can no longer see your info and other people might not be able to see it as easily. The illusion of control. The illusion of controls. Once you've accepted those terms, Mm -hmm. you're kind of accepting them in perpetuity, aren't you? Yeah, you're up the creek. I mean, it's done. So whatever, whatever they choose to do with that stuff, you know, you you put faith in them not doing anything nefarious, but you're taking a bit of a leap there if we're being honest. But, yeah, I mean, you're kind of kidding yourself and thinking that information has just vanished and that you're the one who decided to make that happen. You know what it is? Every time you delete a part of your digital self. An angel gets its wings? You're not actually killing. Well, <laughs> maybe. But Annoyed not, gets his pizza? Yes, for sure that one. But uh, you're not actually deleting anything or killing anything. You're just making a ghost. Because nice. you're, that ghost is then able to go through, you know, some kind of data aggregation thing through whatever service you were using. And then they're taking it and creating a new version of you, but it's just a couple more ones and zeros. Right. And this, the remains of your digital self. I like this ghost analogy, Matt. Your ethereal digital self will be used for various purposes, targeting, uh, for ad campaigns, right? Uh, mm-hmm. then they may not know Matt Frederick anymore, but they certainly know American male 25 to 36 or something <laughs> like that. And then they know, and then that is the new label for your ghost. Uh, they also learn social networks and preferences. We don't need to know, like if, if we all just become American male, age X to Y or whatever, uh, and we're all connected with a social network, they don't need to know our names to influence that social network. And this can also go into aggregate electoral data, right? Mm. Or election data, rather. Mm-hmm. This, this makes it dangerous in the real world because it ties into public sphere influence. And we have a great example of that in recent history. Right. Like the whole Russia Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where Russia created these, uh, profile, Russian hackers. Uh, how many caveats do we have to add? Uh-huh. I'll, I'll play the game. Allegedly Russian affiliated hackers went into Facebook and created bot personas and bot or, or false front organizations, uh, to plant news stories and sway people's political decisions. Additionally, as I think we already mentioned here, in many cases, information we share with other people will remain after we attempted to delete everything else. If um, if Noel has a picture of me and it's under his profile and I delete my profile, it's not going to remove that photo of me. It'll remove the tag? It'll maybe remove – yeah, it'll remove the tag. Um, but, you know, we'll see, still see my uh, mug yeah, okay. he was doing the clown face again in uh, celebration of it. Did you notice that? Mm. Right. Yeah. Or as I like to call it, the Eddie Vedder face. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you both. <laughs> one, <laughs> uh, one great example of this in the past, celebrities have tasked their PR teams with removing unflattering photos from the internet. This rarely meets with success. Uh, one example I remember is uh, there was an unflattering picture of Beyonce Knowles. Uh, the um, the R&B singer Bay. entertainer. Yeah, Bay. Okay, sure. And uh, this uh, this picture was funny and it became 
part of what people would call Photoshop battles, and they were changing the background. They were making it funny. It was a meme. She's was kind funny. of like in a in a mid squat in like a like a dance move that obviously, if you saw the whole thing in context, it'd be super badass. But it's one of those like mid face squat things mm-hmm. where it's just just the right moment to make a very obviously gorgeous woman appear kind of mannish kind of she hulk a little she well they actually that was one of the photoshop ones they turned her skin green and she looks like she's just like you know hulking out literally but um yeah and then her people took issue with this and attempted to have it scrubbed yeah. from the internet but as we know that's a little harder than it sounds the worst thing you can tell people who are spending their free time on the internet making jokes is hey guys please don't make a joke about this our president yeah. actually did that where there were some unflattering photos of him that he uh did not want to be making the rounds and you know the internet collectively laughed at him yeah uh and rightly so i think if you I think, unfortunately, um, if anybody is out of touch enough to ask for that deletion without the the power to enforce it, I, I wonder if the executive branch would have the power to enforce it. In other countries, governments do have the power to prevent images from being outside of, you know, being out in the public sphere. But those countries um, have a different manner of control over information dissemination. I do want to say before we go on, there is one, uh, the only example I can think of of someone who is able to keep a lot of their pictures off the internet, Gary Larson, the really? creator of Farside. You can still find a bunch, but he, he wrote this really nice letter to people where he said, hey, guys, I just kind of want to keep it in the books if that's okay. And he's super humble, super funny, of course, because Gary Larson, you can still see a lot of it on there. Um you know, just where someone is obviously taking a picture of a of a comic with their cell phone or something. Um, but that's the only even partially successful version. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. 
Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. There's one more wacky neighbor-type character we haven't covered in the ongoing sitcom known as your digital self on the internet. That is the government. Oh, it's that wacky NSA, the National Security Agency. What are they getting up to this week? Well, it's formerly a secret government agency that we like to talk about on this show. We even have an intern from there that hangs out with us and listens to every little thing we do. Big up, Steve. You'll get through that chemistry class. They collect data, signal intelligence. Oh, that sounds good. It's very, very good. Here's the thing. They're great at it. So great that they're the best in the biz. It's also really good at finding those loopholes, ways around original mandates. Oh, and all of this is in the name of national security. <laughs> so longtime fans of the show and privacy advocates uh, around the world, you guys are hopefully aware of the NSA's official stance, which is the NSA's charter limits its powerful surveillance to the rest of the world, not to U.S. citizens. <laughs> okay, I think we're done with that bit. Um, uh, okay. Okay, but uh, by now, most people are at least, you know, somewhat aware that the NSA's legal abilities and real world actions are not entirely synced up. So a good example would be that up until 2017, the NSA was essentially uh, able to surveil domestic sources with a kind of sketchy interpretation of the 702 provision of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. You may know it as FISA. We love the acronyms here on stuff they don't want you to know. They searched their uh, massive network of wiretaps for keywords, which they called selectors. And if any part of that communication passed outside of the U.S. for any reason whatsoever, boom, they sucked the data up into the what, what like the, their Internet data rabbit hole. Out in the middle of nowhere in Utah. Ah, that's where that lives. And uh, any reason here literally means any reason. So you made a uh, lame terrorist joke and it passed through a server in any other country counting Canada. Boom, you're up for grabs. And no, it does not matter. We checked. It does not matter if it was you and another American working on puns or or, or uh, whatever or trying to make funny acronyms. Uh, 
The good news is that as of 2017, the New York Times reports that the agency will no longer collect certain Internet communications that merely mention a foreign intelligence target and will instead limit such collection to Internet communications that are sent directly to or from a foreign target. That's disturbing because that means before then, if Matt had sent a text about Osama bin Laden – Because that's the target. I'm mentioning a target. For the sake of argument, right? And it was to one of his friends who was in, say, France. Uh, Let's say Ben Bolin, uh, and we were discussing an episode on said bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, when I get back from the ancestral home in Romania, then we'll do an episode on ISIS or something. See? That would mean that everything on those phones is now subject to search uh, uh, for time immemorial. There's another wrinkle in the plot here. So the NSA can't gather information on you if you are – if you live in the US. However, foreign intelligence agencies can gather that information on you and then through a network like Five Eyes, share it with the NSA. So the NSA can be like, oh, no, no harm, no foul. Not checking up on you, but Canada, however, over there mm. – Sorry. Yeah, it's dodgy. It reminds me of – do you guys remember those um, – the controversy over Made in America tags where it turned out that some stuff was being made in um, atrocious sweatshop conditions in um, some islands in the South Pacific that were American territories. <clears throat> so they could still say Made in America or uh, Assembled in the USA. So there is more good news, however. Uh, Once the NSA ends its bulk collection and storage of millions of Americans' phone records later this year, it will also, it says, eliminate analyst access to five years' worth of old info. So anything you did (laughs) dodgy in the last five years, apparently the NSA is not going to allow its analyst to look at it. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it is. However, technical personnel – and that's in quotes, uh, we'll be able to access it for another three months to verify the records produced under the new system. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, it seems above board. They're just going to verify all the stuff is right as rain, right? It's it's meeting the new goals. Also, ongoing court cases surrounding the program require the NSA to hold on to the data until the cases are finalized in court. Okay. I, yeah. That seems fine. I'm okay with that. All above the board, right? Above the bread box. (sighs) So this is uh, just a brief overview of of what happens when you try to remove your information. And um, we we have a couple of conclusions. I guess the first one, I don't know. Are are you guys rip the Band-Aid off people or slowly peel it? Got to rip it, man. I agree with you. I, I I can tell you the conclusion. Okay. You you don't even need to try and delete your information. If it's gone up online, it's up online. If somebody – if one of your friends has a camera phone and a Facebook account, there's probably pictures of you. And you probably got tagged even if you don't have an account. And there's nothing you can do about it. And your public records are probably going to stay online. That's the scariest thing. There's – unless you're at the wheel of a powerful intelligence agency or some organization that we don't know about, 
with abilities that we don't understand, there's virtually no way you'll be able to delete your online presence entirely. The digital you will not only survive your efforts to delete it, your digital you will most likely survive after the physical version of you is gone. And like a ghost. Gotta have a legacy. Haunt it. Yeah, it's a very black mirror, right? And it will probably remain after your children are gone as well. You know, in the near future, you may be, there may be some way to construct a, a real ghost capable of programmatic responses. And so your children might even be able to talk to you or talk Yikes. to some version of you. You can, however, delete at least some of your data and make more of it increasingly difficult to find. So much so that only the very committed or connected people will be able to learn more than the most basic facts about you. Privacy settings are your friend on everything you use. I just have to say that. If you want to still use social media and connect to friends, just amp up those privacy settings so you're only talking to people you have directly connected to and purposefully said, okay, I know this person. Even then, it's a little dangerous because accounts can get hijacked and all that, and then they have your info. But, you know, play as safe as you can. You can also use uh, private services to help clean up your online presence. Mm Mm-hmm. We strongly suggest you research these thoroughly before choosing one and also understand that they do not have the power to force other website owners to remove anything, especially when those sites are in countries with relaxed rules on consumer protection. Mm, Very great point. And if you're really feeling strongly about, uh, you know, pursuing further levels of anonymity or, you know, completely shutting off the information uh, spigot altogether, um, you're really going to have to change your lifestyle, you know? It's like what they say about um, losing weight and all that stuff. You can't just – there's no magic way to do it. you got to just change your habits. That's right. Every day. And if you want to learn more about that stuff, you can check out uh, an earlier episode we did on whether or not it's actually possible to uh, be on the internet in any kind of anonymous way. And what does that lifestyle look like, guys? I mean, like, it, it would just, it would kind of be like not leaving your apartment. No, you just won't, you don't have a cell phone. Uh, you, Starters. You don't own. let people take pictures of you. Don't mm-hmm. hang out with friends. Don't participate in with any, you know, I mean, there's a lot only yeah. going on here. Be a, I guess be a hermit. Only take jobs that pay in cash, which means that, um, you would also be on the fringes of society. That's what I'm saying. You'd be like a pariah kind of. I mean, this is like the lowest of the low. Our society has evolved into a place where you have to have this technology. You have to participate in this stuff. I mean, I have a friend who has chosen to not be on Facebook, and he's always astonished when I find out something that he hasn't found out. And I'm like, dude, just get on Facebook. He's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, why? And he's like, I just, I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to be that guy. And he's older, but like he, you know, feels very strongly about like just this not being a part of his life. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, another thing you could do if you wanted to change your lifestyle in this way is to get a law degree in uh, contracts and digital uh, agreements. That way you can actually read the terms of service every time and then decide uh, maybe I don't want that. But here's the thing, too. Um, there's this great article in The Guardian about the uh, terms of service debate. And a lot of it, uh, it, it dealt with several layers of this, one of which being the word accept versus join or opt in or whatever. Mm-hmm. That all matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're trying to feed into this past um, habit of 
just click through, you know, don't even pay it a second glance. But there, you know, there, there's discussion of like, should we change where the terms fall in the process of signing up for a service? Should it be right up front? So before, you know, you, you don't have instant gratification because it's always at that point right before you get the thing, you click it because you're just like ready to have the thing. So you don't even think about it. So, you know, trying to maybe steer people into possibly reading the terms a little more carefully since there's some really heavy stuff in there. But, uh, this article article talked about how it was in the Guardian written by David Barabi. Um, it posed the question of, you know, when you when you go to the doctor, you ex- you don't necessarily sign a contract or agree to the terms of services of being worked on by a doctor, but you expect the doctor to uphold their doctoral duty, the Hippocratic mm-hmm. oath or whatever, and not, you know, screw you over. And it's almost like this article suggested that maybe society could almost influence some of these companies to be a little more responsible and not sell your stuff to third parties instantly, you know? There's so much money in it, though. Or at least to be good, better stewards of your information. Oh, okay. And there is some good news. Uh, if you live in some countries, if you live in the European Union, you may be able to take advantage of something called the right to be forgotten. Uh, do check it out. It's the idea that you are ultimately the owner of your own data, your own creation. There's a fantastic fact sheet, Ben, that you uh, posted here for us that you can find online uh, from the European Commission. And it goes through all of these different rules, like what kind of has to be met for you to take on this right to be forgotten. Sure. And uh, it's it's fantastic. You you can find it if you search for it. Still not a silver bullet. And if you are listening in the United States, uh, it's not going to help you. But uh, you I, – I guess we would be remiss as we're drawing toward the end here. We would be remiss if we didn't point out there are also advantages to having information online in the cloud, locating loved ones in emergencies arguably convenience, and of course, medical uh, processes, right? Um, and in sum, to dovetail uh, the point that um, you and Noel were making earlier, Matt, this does all come down to a matter of trust. Indeed, as we said earlier, faith. How can you trust but verify the claims of private companies such as ISPs and social media platforms? How can we trust the statements of a government when we're aware of the actions it has taken in the past? Spoiler, and this is just my opinion. You cannot. I think arguments based on faith are not the strongest. It's tough to imagine a company or a government or even an individual willingly giving up all the power implied in this uh, this great amalgamation of fortune. (laughs) And if you're not prepared to completely divest from the internet, I mean, because it is a heck of a lifestyle change that we were describing here, um, then perhaps your best bet is to treat everything you post online, no matter how ephemeral and arbitrary it may seem, as part of your permanent record. Do you guys remember those threats? Absolutely. Yeah. It's going on your permanent record. This photo of you doing a beer headstand cake thing. I felt like that was something that was just like in like Nickelodeon shows about, you know, being in high school. That's going on your permanent record. I can assure you, all you kids listening out there, that permanent record is very real. And anything you do is going directly on it. So be on your best behavior. Your kid doesn't listen to the show, man. Not yet. (laughs) 
We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. I know it went a little longer than usual as we were exploring this stuff. Uh, we want to hear from you. Are you a person who has been contemplating hopping off the grid? Do you have a weird story about some internet voodoo that occurred to you? Or are you a person who came in from the cold? Were you formerly off the grid? Did you have the kind of parents who never gave you a social security number? I know a couple of folks like that in the crowd. Uh, if so, what has your experience been? I got creeped out recently. Uh, I got a, um, a video gaming system, uh, which I sound like I'm in the 1800s when I say stuff. You got a video gaming system? Uh, yeah, I have a, I have a PlayStation and just the built-in erosion of privacy stuff there, you know, that there's a button just to automatically share things out. Yeah, to start streaming. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's a different world, right? But uh, we want to hear your stories about that. And we'd like to hear uh, any advice that you have for your fellow listeners. Oh, yeah. Have you tried to delete something? Did you find a really great way to do it or mm -hmm. a way to get through the, the Google webs, all mm -hmm. the spider webs that Google has? Let us know. Yes. And let your fellow listeners know as well. Speaking of your fellow listeners, that reminds us it's time for Chat at Corners. But not just your average garden variety shout out corner, ladies and gentlemen. No, not a bit. I don't know why I paused dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a physical shout out. We're going to shout toward an actual human face. Yes, that's right. Remember earlier in the show, we mentioned that this episode is a team up, a collaboration with our colleagues over at Part Time Genius. Uh, we are lucky enough to have one of the hosts of Part Time Genius, Will Pearson, here live on the show in person. Will, thank you for coming. Hey guys, great to be here. Will, we promise we're not actually going to shout in your face. Okay, thank you. I yeah. really, really wanted to just for fun. Like, well, <laughs> that's because you're full of rage, Matthew. No, it's a uh, very happy, excited. I'm happy to be here. I may shout at you guys just out of enthusiasm. Excellent. Please Can you keep it down, man. <laughs> my pet. Please direct the shouts, uh, the shouts toward me. I, I probably have the worst hearing, uh, of the three of us. Uh, so will, uh, you on part time genius, uh, explored a subject that is kind of a rabbit hole mm -hmm. and and a, a, a fantastic um, complementary exploration to our own that we just had earlier in this episode, whereas we were asking um, what can a person delete off the internet or mm -hmm. if it's possible to do so, uh, you and your co-host Mango were exploring what information actually exists about a person online. Right, right. And, and, and this idea for us came about because one of our listeners wrote in after having an experience being at a grocery store, buying a product, going home, and despite having never looked up that product on – looking up that product online – they started being targeted with ads about that product and it was not a common thing. It was some sort of independent soda or something like that. And they thought, this is weird. Like, is this coincidence or am I actually being targeted in some way? And so that's really what we started exploring more. You know, it's one of those things that I don't think most people are surprised that, you know, they're being tracked online when they visit a website and that then maybe they're targeted with ads because of that behavior online. I think what most people don't fully recognize and that we didn't even fully appreciate was the fact that 
all of your interactions, even in the real space, you go to a grocery store, you go to any other kind of store, you swipe that membership card, the way that data is then exchanged among so many companies. So you're, you're making a purchase there, that email address, that phone number is matched up with what Facebook or some other property has as your email and phone, you know, phone number. And all of it's synced and they know that much more about you and it's that much easier for them to try to target you with products and things. And in our episode, we talked a good bit about the idea of accepting those terms of, of use. Right. And a lot of that is you basically saying, I'm okay with this. Right, right. Legally I mean, speaking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we, we talked about is studies that are showing that, yes, we know that this information is all out there and that they know this information about us, but – at the same time, you know, it's pretty nice to be connected and it's yeah. pretty nice to have this convenience. So do we really want to give that up? And most of us say no. Would you would you say for the uninitiated mm-hmm. in, in this uh, strange web of info bartering, uh, would you say that uh, maybe your common brick and mortar loyalty cards are uh, symptomatic or part of this network? Absolutely. So you've provided, you know, the cashier with your phone number, your email address, and then there are companies. And just to give a couple of examples, like there's a company called Data Logics, which works with these with these grocery stores or other brick and mortar. They're purchasing this data. They're then turning around and selling it to a place like Facebook. And so Facebook has this ad programming division called Atlas that's very sophisticated, much more so than I think we even realize, that they then have this data. And when that information is synced up, they knew that that friend purchased that can of soda because they had either swiped their card or given their phone number or that it was likely to be them. And that's how they knew to target them with ads, not only on Facebook, but any site, any page that has a Facebook like button or share button that they have the opportunity to show ads on those those pages as well. So it's definitely part of that. I can't wait for the uh, augmented reality minority report (laughs) ad placements like that when you're just walking through the bus station and it's – Giving you all the stuff it's you bought at Kroger. Awesome. Or like in that Black Mirror episode where you have to spend your hard-earned credits to skip the ad because Ooh. it's actually projecting it constantly in your field of vision. <laughs> and in order to make it go away, you have to spend money mm-hmm. or credits like in the episode. It's uh, merits. Is what right. The, was it, nine so. million merits or something like that. Which is great. A- Great episode. Very, very bizarre and and prescient. On a, on a bright side though, you know, if we're more, if it's grading us on how likely we are to do things, it reminds me of like a global version of high school superlatives, you know, maybe it's not all bad. You know, maybe it's not all crime. Maybe I'm like, uh, most likely to, uh, open for, uh, Louis C.K. Whatever, dream big. Next question. <laughs> um, so that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, ben sure. is most likely oh, to open for Louis C.K. Definitely. Maybe open the door to the bathroom while he's walking in. All right. Uh, we'll 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 fix this in post, right, Noel? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of bathrooms, um, I noticed. You know, we have an office. We work out of an office here, mm-hmm. and it's a shared restroom with everybody on the floor. And right. I couldn't help but notice. This is a complete side note, by the way. The toilet paper was out again. And, you know, nothing against staff here. It's just sometimes a lot of toilet paper is necessary. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Will, I think maybe you found a solution. Well, we've got good news for you here. I mean, we know that there are over 8 billion items out there connected to the web. And we've been looking into wow. all of these different types of devices. And there is something which is kind of like the Internet of Toilet Paper, and it's this new product called Roll Scout. And it informs you via text or email or app when the toilet paper is low or out. And I have to admit, I made fun of this product when Mango mentioned it on our episode. Mm -hmm. Uh And then as I thought about it more and I thought – 
you know, you're a business owner, you're a cafe owner, you're something like that. I mean, this is something that really ticks off a, a customer, right? And right. so for 60 bucks, you can then keep tabs on this and know when that toilet paper is running out. So I, I'm kind of all in on this thing. Have you seen those Amazon buttons that you can get? No, it's like that? a button that's specifically tied to a product, like Tide or something like that, yeah. and you stick it to your washing machine, and when you notice that you're getting low on Tide, you jam that button, oh and it automatically God. places an order for you for Tide. So it's like, you know, we participate in this stuff as well, and, and it, like these apps and things like that, and the button are almost like complicit versions of this tracking stuff where we're like, we're kind of participating in this process, and it's like for people, you know, this argument that it's worth it. Right, Have my right. info. It's fine. I don't care if you know how many times I ordered Tide because you even search for things on Amazon. Right. You'll that, start that, getting yeah. served up ads like in your Gmail account. It's all connected clearly. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that we talk about in the episode as well is, you know, we focus so much on what are the websites we're visiting and what are we mm-hmm. doing on social media and we're not stopping to think about all of the products that are integrated into our everyday lives, which are now connected to the broader web that are providing data and other information to these companies as well. There was one that kind of made me laugh at first and then it scared me. It's this product called uh, Aristotle from Mattel. It's basically like this $300 version of Alexa, but for little ones. And so you have it in your room with a baby or a toddler mm-hmm. and it not only has the facial recognition and voice recognition, but it's a machine that's in this room that is able to track pretty much everything that's happening there. So every time a diaper is changed, every time a feeding is occurring. And so from day one, these lives are being tracked. And at some point, this data is then available to Mattel to do whatever with, right, to decide how we need to be, you know, retargeted in some way or how products need to be customized for us. So, you know, maybe not used in a scary way, but at the same time, it's just so odd to think that from this first day of a baby's life, all of this data is available. Yeah, it's right. not it's not scary at all, Will. It's no. it's the only way we'll be able to make the first real super AI. We have this to know exactly what a human is like from the day it is born until it is able to put its own pants on. You're right. And Do it's you, called Aristotle, which sounds very smart. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it must be fine. Do you think all this stuff has affected the field of market research a lot? Uh, I mean, can you even imagine borderline replaced? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, with all of this data there. I it's hard to even imagine how much these jobs in that world of market research have changed in the past 10 years. You know, how much more data and an overwhelming amount of data that's mm-hmm. there and what to do with it. So it's probably one of those things at this point that even the companies coming up with it, they're like, we don't know what we're going to do with this, but we're going to have so much data and yep. just salivating over that. By so. gosh, by golly. Do uh, now one of the questions that occurred to us when we were listening to your episode was the the concept of whether or not this is inevitable you know has the has the zeitgeist already shifted has are the badgers out of the bag so right, to speak right it what what do you think do you think that it's possible that people would somehow rebel against this or is it at this point uh, has it already reached what Malcolm Gladwell would call the tipping point I mean, you have to feel like this is already past a certain point where, again, because of the upsides or what we would perceive as the upsides, you know, the pleasure that's brought to us by having this constant connection with other friends and what people are getting out of that and 
the ease that it's, you know, the fact that I can go get my Tide just by pressing that button or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I mean, that convenience means a lot to people. And I think they're willing to sacrifice a whole lot just to um, to have those things. So I don't know. I'm sure there's going to continue to be battles over this and more and more battles over this. But it also feels like we're only seeing the beginning of this complete connectedness in a way. We're in the prequel. If this were a film, this is it. And as stuff gets better, the AI gets more advanced. Maybe we won't even have to push the button. It'll just know that we're out of Tide based on our habits and our purchasing patterns for Tide or some product. It'll automatically know what to send us when so that we never run out of, you know, American craft singles. <laughs> or even stuff that you didn't know you wanted. It'll, it'll be yeah, like – It's just there. Mm-hmm, like, Noel Brown, we have delivered your shipment of Tide – and two rutabagas. Oh, like, oh. <laughs> I was craving a rutabaga. <laughs> and you sounded just like my wife, which makes it even more <laughs> creepy. This is just, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you know on this show that we always endeavor to um, not just provide information, but provide uh, opportunities to act. And with this in mind, Will, we were hoping to ask you, uh, is there, well, I say hoping to ask, we'll just ask you, is there, um, is there any like advice or I, I guess words of guidance and or words of warning that you could give to our listeners uh, when it comes to their online presence? I think honestly, it's really just about being aware that this is happening and trying to know what your comfort level is with this. You know, if this is not something that you're comfortable with, these companies having all of this data, and a certain amount of this is inevitable, right? But if you don't want that data to be shared. You know, you probably need to avoid signing up for these memberships of, you know, various clubs and things that where all of this is exchanged. But for the most part, is it it's making that decision for yourself. Am I comfortable with this information being out there? But then just being cautious and knowing that any information that you're providing to one company is going to be shared with several others. Mm-hmm. And anything, any activity that you're participating in online is available to so many others out there as well. So I don't think there's any sort of like magic thing that you can do. Uh, and, and as you guys have discussed, the idea of trying to just completely wipe uh, the web of your existence oh. is pretty much impossible, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's just deciding whether we're willing to participate in the digital world as it is now. And, and if so, to, to what extent? I, I have another question too to follow up because it just occurred to me. Um, are there any concerns that parents should have now that they're raising children in an entirely um, connected world? Right. I almost don't even want to get into that as having, <laughs> as having children. And you think about it. I mean, to me, part of what's scary about that is just more uh, unlike when we grew up and you came home from school and you shut off the rest of the world and you played and you were just kind of in this other world. There is this need for children now by the time they're in middle school to be constantly connected and their brains are almost aren't ready for this or capable of managing that. And so that is one of my concerns. It's of course, there's all the concerns about what information you're sharing and how exposed you are and making sure that you protect yourself in that sense. But there's also the sense of just helping our children have that necessary break from the outside world and just existing in a world of two or three friends and their family to me, that's one of the most important parts about this is not having them feel from such an early age that they have to have this 24-7 connection. It's just not good for anybody's brain, much less a kid's. I'm struggling with that with my kid. And I'll have to just be like, okay, it's over. 
Right. iPad time. It's done. Yeah. Just let it go. He's like, but I have to. Right. You don't. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. And it starts as almost toddlers. She's I mean, eight. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. and, but she's, you know, sort of a, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but kind of an advanced eight year old, I suppose. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just like, I, it hurts me to see her almost falling into these kind of addictive behavior cycles where right. I'm just like, stop, stop. Right. You're obsessed. And let we're, it go. We're, we're saying stop as we're also peeking off to the totally. side to see if we have a new email totally. or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst. And I set yeah. the worst example. Example, and it's yep. like the classic do as I say, not as I do, which I just feel like a total hypocritical jerk. But I'm trying I'm trying every day as well. But. I say uh, move to the Blue Ridge Mountains. They have some great communities out there. You can really <laughs> disconnect. You uh, can move to the quiet zone. There you go. Yeah, where there's no cell phone, no TV, no radio, nothing, just banjos. Yeah, just uh, rocks and sticks. That's nope, all you need. No problems out there. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the, also the most stable people. That's right. Tend to congregate there too. Uh, and that is a story for another day. Kidding, you can check it out right now because we did an episode on our, uh, dare I say, misadventures in the quiet zone. Uh, and before you do that, uh, Will, we want to thank you so much for uh, collaborating on the show and for uh, coming and lending your expertise to our uh, friends and neighbors in the audience. Oh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm a longtime fan of the show here, so it's really been a, a- last getting on to work on this together. And lest we forget that this was but a taste of the part-time genius perspective on this subject. So where can folks go find the full meal? Hey, this was our brand new episode over at Part-Time Genius. Come check us out and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Wherever you get your podcast. That's right. (laughs) Nicely done, Matt. Yes, nicely done. That's the line. And this concludes our... But not our show. Uh, Matt, Noel, Tristan, and I will return uh, next week with something hopefully, I'm going to say equally fascinating, but maybe a little less disturbing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> In the meantime, if uh, if we have not uh, talked to him to trying to quit social media. And, you know, you're still using the Internet to listen to this show. This feels so hypocritical. <laughs> I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh Although it does, it does sound a little bit, uh, hypocritical and contradictory. I think it's kind of funny that we're saying at this point, you could, you could find that you could totally find us on Facebook and Instagram. We're all up on the internet. (laughs) We're all over it. Whoa, what a bunch of rubes. Yeah, you can find us. We're conspiracy stuff. We're conspiracy stuff show on Instagram. And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, You can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.